I believe that we can live in a world where it is safe to be ourselves. And the most important thing we have to do is feel safe within ourselves to be ourselves. And once we do that, once we give ourselves permission to be this limitless expression of our magic, then we give others permission. And ultimately, I do truly believe in my heart and soul that it is possible to live on a planet where everyone is actually safe to be themselves and in their magic. Welcome back to the Know Thyself podcast, where every single week we get the privilege and opportunity to sit down with sometimes a dear friend of mine, which is the case today, uh, somebody that's really been on, on their own path, on their spiritual journey, can help you live a more liberated human experience. Today, we have a dear friend of mine, Mia Magic. She really lives up to her last name. <laughs> she is somebody that just on a personal level has been a beautiful reflection and mirror. And the more I've gotten to know her, she just spontaneously gives these out of the blue, off the cuff reflections that touch the depth of your soul. She's somebody that when I think of her, she is incredibly powerful, incredibly wise, fierce, opinionated, <laughs> uh, unapologetic, yet soft, gentle, and very charismatic. She's somebody that is a literal walking permission slip and is really here to be, I believe, a voice for you owning your own weird, wild, unique, raw real expression of yourself in this life, whatever that looks like for you. She's a conscious content creator. She is a witch school facilitator. <laughs> she is uh, a spiritual guide, again, here to help you tap into your true essence and, and why you're here. And so, Mia, yes. thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, so happy to be here. Congrats. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Every conversation usually I'm doing on this podcast, I'm really looking forward to. But <laughs> yeah. you uh, you bring a very unique frequency and flavor to the show, which, you know, to the world, to be fair, that I am really excited to share with this audience. So Thanks, my love. Yeah, let's dive right in. Yeah, let's go. Go straight into the deep waters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, when I think of you and the work that you're doing and how you show up in the world, what comes to mind first and foremost is just like on a macro view, I've kind of been raised with the reverence of the feminine. I was raised more or less with my mom and my sister, and they're very nurturing caretaker vibes. And when I look at what's happening on the planet right now, and, and you know, especially historically, the suppression of the feminine has been so widespread and devastating. When I think of the feminine and how the oracles and the witches have been suppressed and yeah, suppressed by, you know, patriarchal uh, systems that really label being connected with nature as evil or bad or wrong. And how sad that is. I think there's a deep unconscious collective grief right now that is being tapped into on many different levels. Yeah. And you are somebody that is walking a beautiful path and can share a lot of beautiful reflections as you may or may not be able to tell if you're watching the video, you're wearing a witch hat. <laughs> <laughs> you're somebody that owns who you are yeah. more than most any other person I know own them who they are, <laughs> which is honestly one of the greatest compliments I could give because there's a lot of people that are walking around as secondhand versions of someone else. And so I just want to, yeah, ask you as somebody that is walking this path, how you kind of view the uh, re-emergence, reawakening of the feminine and the masculine, but uh, tap, tapping into our true essence again and what you've seen as you've been doing this work with women, uh, what that journey has been like as you've seen that unfold. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's really, it's just from my perspective, 
of the utmost importance right now. There's nothing that matters more than us not only reclaiming our power, but reclaiming our connection to the earth because as we're seeing from the changes in our climate, she's in trouble a little bit. And and the bottom line is when you think about this giant living sentient deity, really, that we live upon, who's like interacting with this giant ball of fire and all these other planetary beings and bodies that she's like circling around. This is her neighborhood, you know, her little corner of the galaxy and of the universe. She's going to keep going. She's good. You know, she's been around for billions of years. She doesn't need us, but we need her. We yeah. need literally everything she has to offer us, the air, the water, the the planet itself to walk upon the food. And so I I believe that there's a really deep connection between the desecration of the planet and the desecration of our own bodies, right? People have never been sicker mentally, physically, you know, rampant disease, rampant obesity. The food that we're eating is toxic. The water that we're drinking is poison. There is this very beautiful, I believe, opportunity for all of us to to look at this and to see how, from my tradition and in this, you know, witchcraft, the which means wise, right? Which means wise. So the the wisdom of the earth and this ancient wisdom that I believe is what we all once had, and every indigenous culture all over the world really used to have deep earth wisdom and connection to the planet. And when you look at the relationship to and reflection of our bodies as the elements, like this is my physical vessel, my bones, my muscles, my skin, this is the earth. I've got water flowing through my veins. There it is. That's my blood is the water. I breathe. That's the wind. And then there's an electrical system that's making your heartbeat without plugging it into anything. And that's making your neurons fire. We call it fire, right? So these four fundamental elements of the creation of the planet are also the fundamental elements of ourselves. And earth, the body, represents our physical material reality. So if we're destroying her, then of course we're going to feel sick and we're going to be unhealthy and we're not going to feel connected or grounded to ourselves or each other or to the planet. And water is our sexuality and our creativity and our emotions, but we're damming rivers, right? So we're stopping the flow of our creative energy, of our abundance and and really of our emotions. You know, men are taught not to cry and you know, if women get too emotional, they're bitches or they're crazy. And so I really believe that there is this beautiful reflection happening here that we can see if we take better care of ourselves, we take better care of the earth. If we take better care of the earth, we take better care of each other. And so, yeah, I I get to watch this unfold on a daily basis. And really it's just about how much we're willing to commit to knowing ourselves, taking better care of ourselves, and then allowing that care and that grounded, rooted foundation of, of how we tend to and care for ourselves to then ripple out in how, into how we care for our communities and, and the world at large. But it's hard, you know, we've been really, really deeply programmed uh, away from doing any of those things. And I believe that anyone who's trying to take power for themselves obviously like they have to take it away from others right and so the the process there's you know so much more i'm sure that we'll <laughs> dive much further deeper yeah. into but and in these witch trials witch hunts in the growth of christianity around the beginning of the current era like 2000 years ago people were trying to take power and so they 
just took it away from anyone and everyone that they could. And often that was women, but it was really everyone. And then it was like, okay, now we're the ruling body and you have to listen to us and have no connection to the earth and we'll be the middleman between you and the divine. And <laughs> that is what has systematically gotten us to where we are over mm. the last couple thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen historically the oftentimes masculine oppression and labeling of this inherent beautiful connection that, you know, women and, and men have had with nature and labeling it as something that's bad and evil and that you can control and define and reduce people down to a function rather yeah. than their essence and celebrating that. And so you've been doing this work with many people for, yeah. for many years now, tapping them into their true essence, mm -hmm. right? Instead of this label and the assumptions and beliefs that we've accumulated societally, through familial relationships and in our own personal lives. And so, yeah, what are some like common themes that you've seen as you've been working with, you know, various individuals um, as some like the, the key blockages and how you've been able to move through that? Wow. Well, I think that the main blockages that I see are around expression, right? It, there's some kind of block in our throat. It feels like we can't speak our truth or say who we are or, you know, express our opinion. This is yeah. how I feel about something. This is what I think about something. So that's a huge piece. And that's definitely part of the witch wound, right? Because if you spoke out against the church or against the powers that be, you were just killed. <laughs> it was like, bye girl. Like you, that opinion, that just got you wiped out in a matter of moments or days. So the fear of our own opinion, of our own expression, Oftentimes people who were were killed or hunted, yes, either had a deep relationship to the earth, right? We know that all of our medicine was once synthesized from a plant. So everything, all of our medicine actually came from the earth. And before there were pharmacies, you didn't have anything else except the plants around you to heal wounds or nightmares or coughs or fevers. And so any kind of relationship with the earth, boom. So that makes nature scary to people. I meet a lot of, of women, men. I have you know, people of all genders in my programs, but they feel afraid to go out into nature. It's scary. You know, they were raised in cities and they're like, oh, something's going to go get me out there. And I, right. I uh, and I, they have this contraction and it's not just about getting dirty. Sometimes it is, but it's really about, I, I feel afraid of going out there. And even for me, you know, I grew up in the redwoods and sometimes there are days where I know that I'm going to just go out by myself into the trees. And I have this terror that someone's going to come and get me. Someone's going to like come out into the forest, you know, and, and kill me. And it's this totally irrational fear, but I see that a lot with people. And so it makes them resistant to go out and connect with nature where for me, like that is how I know myself. Yeah. That is how I have learned deeply about myself is, is quiet, silent, solo time out in, in nature, you know, by a river or in a forest. So those two around our sexuality thinking that sex is shameful instead of literally how every single person on this planet got here, thinking that it's wrong, that it, again, that it's dirty, that it's bad. Even I just picked up your history of magic book and just flipped it open. And the first page, you know, he's talking about these priestesses that were once, you know, like lustfully filled with desire, you know, as this, this shameful, wrong thing. Like, oh, it's so bad for them to be filled with lust and desire. And I really, when I tune in to the old times in, in the witch hunts, I feel like the, the men who were saying that women and their desire were so horrible were the ones who like got rejected by them, <laughs> you know, like tried to sleep with this gorgeous woman. And she was like, 
no, I don't want to do that. I'm sovereign in myself. I'm saying no. And then, oh, well, she's evil. She's a witch, you know, like <laughs> she doesn't want me. And, you know, we, we all have seen in our own lives and in the lives of others, how our wounds can create reactions like that. Yeah. So those are big ones. And then really the the final one that I see most often, and there are so many different ways it can be around your spiritual business and like actually wanting to be who you are in your business, show who you are, talk about believing in magic, have relationships with, you know, other dimensional beings. I So many of the, the psychics that I see, some other coaches that I know were put on antipsychotics or locked up in mental institutions when they were young because they would have these prophetic dreams or have these, these thoughts about something, sort of a vision, and they would tell their parents and then the vision would come to fruition and their parents would lose their shit and like, oh my God, something's wrong with you. You need to get locked up instead of Wow, beautiful being with a psychic gift. Thank you. That was so amazing. Let's let's cultivate this. Let's tune in with this. Let me support you in this. But the final one that I would really say is is just around our power. Where people are afraid to be powerful in a way that is actually in harmony with other people and the earth. We see power that is fueled by greed and you know, the suppression of others or the oppression of others. And that kind of power is okay because that's the kind of power we've been taught from the church is acceptable and is like the norm really. But but to truly just be sourced. And I have I've been having working with this word sorceress, but S-O-U-R-C-E-R-O-U-S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and O-U-S, the suffix is is to be full of. And source actually comes from French to rise. And so it's like what's the source when we talk about God as the source, it's like that which we rise out of. And so to be a sorceress is to be full of that which allows you to rise, right? To be full of the source. And I've been really working with that. And that I find is the thing that people are most terrified of is Mm -hmm. just being powerful, just being able to manifest their dream life and magnetize incredible people into their lives and feel safe and worthy of abundance of deep friendships, of intimate connections and, and, and ultimately a, a profound relationship with the divine, a deep conscious knowing that whatever your word for God is, and whatever it means to you, it is that which is filling you, that which is rising out of you, that which rises out of every person you meet. And the relationship to that is the thing that I find has been most damaged for people. And that was really the goal, you know, is like God's going to live in this one house and be connected to you by these one group of people. And they're going to tell you what God says, and you'll never have this unique and individual relationship with the divine. And, and that I feel like is my, one of my greatest teachings and and gifts is to just give people, like you said, their own unique essence and then their own direct line to, to answer that call when, Mm. when God is on the other end. Uh, So good. (laughs) So good. It's, it's honestly one of the biggest travesties. Like we see how disconnected everybody on this planet is right now from nature. The fact that people are scared from the nature in which they were born out of is just a sign of how sick the times we we live are in. It's wild. And I love how you kind of use the term as, you know, whether it's religion or churches or a lot of individuals and organizations becoming the middleman for us connecting yeah. with a higher power, our source, God, the universe, whatever whatever word you want to use for yeah. it. And how how sad that is because it's like you are it. 
you are connected with it. You've never not been connected with it. And to put it off in some place that's outside of this moment right here is it's just extremely sad. And that's, I think, the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing with this podcast is to shed light and awareness onto conversations that it can help people realize that you are magic. Yeah. You are so full of everything <laughs> that you could ever want in your life is within you in this moment. Yeah. And you don't need to fall prey into the consumerist mentality and also just thinking that your power lies outside of you. And so seeing you, obviously you've, you're, you're in a beautiful place right now in your articulation of these concepts and, and whatnot. And I would like to touch on a little bit of, because we touched on it briefly, is witch and witchcraft. This word that you, I mean, you're wearing a witch hat, you've claimed it as somewhat of your brand and also like how just <laughs> very much so. In yeah. Your brand. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to ask you, what is what does that mean to you? What does it mean to be a witch to you? Well, the word comes from Old Germanic and it does mean wise or wisdom, one with wisdom, wizard, wisdom, Wicca, wicked, witch, all same origin, right? All come from that same word, meaning one who sees, one who knows. And so for me, I, I play around, you know, I make up my own words a lot, obviously, as you can tell. <laughs> and I love to refer to intuition as intuition. And so it's not just like this, this little thing that sort of comes from outside of me. It's actually the source of my inner wisdom. It is my direct line to the divine. It's my direct connection. And so I believe that a witch is really just a person who lives in alignment with their unique wisdom. And guess what? Everybody's wisdom looks different because every single person's life experience and stories and learnings that have given them the wisdom that they have is going to be unique. And so for me, it does mean living deeply in harmony with the earth, recognizing that I am these elements. And so whenever there is an elemental reflection around me, there's something I can read from that. There is a language that the universe speaks and I can learn to communicate with it in return by my vibration, by my actions, by my choices and the way that I speak and communicate what I do with my life and my time. And so, yeah, there is an element of being able to manifest or create your happily ever after, but that's not really what it's all about. It's about knowing that you are the divine, that you are the God and the goddess both at the same time, no matter what your gender or sexual orientation is. You're all of it. We're all of it. And again, for me, it is part of my wisdom is knowing that this planet is a living goddess, the mother we all share and speaking for her and letting myself be a vessel for the voice that so many of us just don't know how to hear. Yeah. And that's that's what it means for me. But the best part about being a witch is that you get to decide what it means for you. Everyone does. And that's that part of your essence that is, yeah, it's it's only your own. And, and what I've found in being a witch or really stepping into this, because, you know, you say like, oh, I, I wear the hat, like really you know, I chose to do this, but, but it chose me like this reclamation. It chose me. It came from me. It said, Hey, like I'm putting myself on your head. You're going to feel what this energy, what it feels like to wear this antenna. And, and I'm going to take you on a ride. And it really has like this hat. Ha yeah. It became my brand. It became my mission. It became this like iconic thing that people associate with me a lot, which is great. Oh, you're the girl with the witch hat. Like, Oh, you're the witch girl on Instagram. Right. I'm like, yeah, hey, that's me, <laughs> you know? 
but it chose me. It was like, you're a brave, courageous, powerful, kind of crazy woman, you know, you will do my bidding really is what it feels like is that the goddess chose me to be an ambassador for the hat, for the word itself, and for really the the reclamation in the movement of like, this is not evil. How is our wisdom evil, right? Like how has the thing that makes us or has allowed us to survive throughout these hundreds of thousands of years that humanity has been around, how is that evil, you know? And so she really chose that for me and and it's such a deep honor <laughs> to, to wear the hat and like have this be this thing that just like gives so much delight to my inner child. But really it, it, it is what you make of it. Yeah. Your most magical life is whatever you want it to be. And yeah. so it's been a really beautiful gift for me to know that I'm most deeply in service to remembering that God, if God is any gender at all, God is every gender. So it's God and goddess all at once and being a, a voice and a vessel for her. And then ultimately just making magic my way, which yeah. really is in in deep reverence and communion. Like I'm just loving looking at this like <laughs> furry little moss thing, you know, because I just love the earth so much. And that's the, the most important magic that I want to make is in service to our planet. No, it seems very clear to me that the way that, I mean, it's, it's provocative in the way that, you know, you can choose the word and the wardrobe to match. Um, yeah, for it to be provocative in a sense to intrigue interest, right? But also on the flip side, anytime we define ourselves, we can find ourselves in some way, right? So you're, we're so much bigger than any label we can give, even no which. But I think at certain times in history, the one that we're at right now, claiming a word like that can be powerful in so many ways. And even if it's just the fact that it makes it a pattern interrupt for people to go, whoa, what's going on? And then it's a Trojan horse for delivering wisdom that is really powerful, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty good for me. So I'm, it just, it really took on a life of its own. I put on the hat and that's when like everything changed. And I was like, okay, great. It's like the sorting hat, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, what should I do with you? You know, I'm like, well, you were pretty well aware of what you were going to do with me. And I appreciate it, you know? Yeah. On your journey, I mean, I know a good amount of your story, but for our listeners, obviously you're coming to a place where you're very empowered. You are very wise. You're living a life of abundance and an abundance of not just relationships or money or connection, but just in so many different avenues in life. And it's been a pleasure to share that time together in community and whatnot. But yeah. for people that are maybe not as, as far along on that journey, but want to be connected with themselves, they want to have meaningful relationships, they want to be connected to nature, they want to be happy and yeah. peaceful on, on a very fundamental level. What have been some times in your life? Is there like one or two periods of times or challenges that have stuck out to you that have really been defining and allowing you to tap in deeper into yourself and come into a deeper realization. I know it's every day, it's every moment. And I feel like we have in these cycles of life, big ones, you know, yeah. these big boulders that kind of shift and move us energetically. Yeah, totally. So something that has not been part of my story for a while, but was really the beginning of my spiritual journey that I, I just find myself not talking about very often, but I, it feels important to talk about here with your audience, I guess now for this moment, is I almost lost my arm in an accident when I was 16. And I was about to become an amputee. They were going to just chop my arm off when I was 16. And I was just screaming. I was like, totally, you know, 
on the adrenaline and the shock and fully out of it. And I was like, no, Stumpy, no, Stumpy, like just screaming, you know, mm. over and over and over again, just kind of m- maniacally um, or manically <laughs> or both. <laughs> and for 10 years after my accident, they, they ended up saving my arm. Obviously, I still got it. Thank you. And for 10 years, I covered it up because the first year it couldn't be out in the sun because of the scar and the skin grafts and all the things that had happened. And so then I just got used to covering it. And I covered it for almost a decade. And then one day I went to this pool party and I was, you know, getting the little sleeve covering that I always covered it with. And because I was had been wearing a sweatshirt that morning and now I was at the party. So I was gonna like take my out- clothes off and like get into my outfit. And I'm like tearing through my car looking for this little sleeve that I know I had put in my car that morning. And it just wasn't there. It's gone. And I was crying and freaking out and like, oh my God, I can't go in there. I can't let anyone see me. Like, what the fuck is going to happen? Oh no, my God, I'm freaking out. And I just heard this small whisper. I was like, Mia, enough. Be done now. Let it go. And it was just this small whisper. And I just took a deep breath and with tears still streaming down my face, I walked into this party and nobody even noticed. (laughs) And the story that I had been telling myself was that I am deformed. I am disfigured. There's something wrong with me. No one will ever accept me looking like this. Like this is LA. I'm imperfect. Oh my God. And so the biggest piece of advice around like your challenges is that so often the thing that you think is wrong with you or that people are going to judge or reject or abandon or ridicule you for doesn't mean shit to anyone else. It only means something to you. And I was blown away. My entire reality shifted during that day because I was, I had been living in the projection of this story that like only horrible things would happen if I had been seen. And it didn't even matter. (laughs) And I never wore that thing again. I had like 11 of those sleeves from almost a decade of being like that. And they all just dematerialized from my reality. I never saw a single one of them again. You know, they were all over my room, like everywhere, and they just disappeared. And so that was a huge quantum shift in my reality, not only in the stories that I was telling myself and in how much I hated myself for feeling just so bad and sad and like I'd been punished by God or the universe and I would never be able to amount to anything. And so those 10 years before that happened were dark and lonely and desolate, really. Like I just could not figure out what... I was supposed to do because the whole story that I had was associated with my pain and with my, you know, the mistake that I had made. And so that was a really big and important time, both the the time of darkness and the time of, of not being myself and the time of feeling so lost and, you know, calling my mom like every other day, just being like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what do I do? I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do for work. I didn't know who I was meant to be. And so I have so much compassion for people that are in that space and in that state. And even though my scar is very much a physical and 
outward and external uh, expression and something that you can literally see and touch and feel, most of our scars are on the inside. Mm. And so the biggest piece that I, I really want to offer to people is that if you can take off the mask or this, the bandage, you know, the proverbial sleeve, whatever is covering up your scars, your pain, most often people will actually love you more. That's when I really, all the friends that I have now are friends that I made right after I took that off. You know, like my best friends are the people that I met sort of like at Burning Man and the, and the surrounding, even like this, our community is like, that's when I came into it was right when I took that off. And for me, it's like been almost a decade now. It's so crazy. But I, I really did find freedom in letting myself be myself. But before that, I was in a prison of my own making. Mm. I had really inflicted that upon myself. And, and then ultimately, one thing led to another. I kept going, doing the things. And I was actually on this show. It was like we had like all this these big deals happening. It was like going to be this show about witches. It was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh, finally, this is so great. Like the world is going to know that witches aren't bad. It's going to be so cool. And as it evolved, it kind of turned into this like real housewives thing, like mm -hmm. the real witches of Topanga. That was even what they started calling it at the end when it was like going around. And I was like, oh my God. But I had been so attached to thinking like, this is going to be the thing. This is going to be where I'm going to be worthy. Society is going to accept me. This is going to mean that, that witches are safe and it's okay. And I got obsessed with thinking like, okay, this is the thing that's meant to happen in order for me to be worthy, in order for me to be accepted. And when it didn't happen, thank the goddess, you know, my God, it would have been so horrible. <laughs> but when it didn't happen, I went sort of back into that place of feeling lost, of feeling isolated and there's something wrong with me and all the old stories came back up. And what ended up happening, I like went to Bali and then I left Bali because it was just like so much trash in the nature. And I'm like one of those moot people at Burning Man, like always picking up all the plastic. And I would just find myself at the river, like picking up plastics. No girl, get out of there. <laughs> and a friend of mine told me to go to Australia. She was like, you'll love Australia. They take really good care of their nature. <laughs> <laughs> and I went and a sister of mine who grew up there, her mom had actually been in a coven for 30 years and they ended up totally taking me under their wing. And what is a coven, just so people know? A coven is a group of witches that gather generally every new moon and full moon to create ritual together. Yeah. So every two weeks they're gathering together. There is generally a leader. Some covens will switch the like every ritual is led by someone else or there's one particular person that you would call the high priestess yeah. who is like the the one who's sort of holding the ritual, who would set the circle and call the directions, things like that. And this woman had been a practicing witch, like for real, not just a little, you know, YouTube witch, not someone who like me knows how to manifest some things and cool, like I'm witchy and that's great. But someone who, this was her life and, and her, the high priestess is an herbalist. So all of their medicine was being made by this woman. And it was just so beautiful. And she took me under her wing did rituals with me every two weeks, invited me into her life. And when I left their home in Australia, like, you know, after a month or so, then I was a real witch. Then I actually had become the kind of person who, if I was on a show like that, 
I know my craft and I know my practice. And I had learned so much from her craft and her practice that it helped me know my own better. And so the second piece, you know, like let your scars be shown, know that the parts of us, the pain, the hurt that we've gone through is what makes us who we are. And then trust that Sometimes when things fall apart, it's so that you can become better. It's so that there's something that is even more deeply meant for you or going to, to form you or that even that, that crumble, that destruction is actually what is going to strengthen you. It's what's going to allow you like the kintsugi, right? The art in Japanese yeah. pottery where they fill the cracks with gold and put something together back together again and it's even more beautiful than it was before. And that really is what I've learned through the most challenging moments in my life is that, you know, sometimes shit falls apart, but that's what magic is for is like putting it back together even more beautifully than it was. Mm, so beautifully put. <laughs> so, so beautiful. And as you show up like vulnerably and authentically as your own, you become, then you remove the barrier for true intimacy and connection, which so many people struggle with because they're coming across in the world as this veneer version of themselves. It's again, this conglomeration of beliefs and, um, and ideals that they've created that aren't their own. They haven't decided. There's not been a conscious choice of who I want to be in this life. And it sounds like you on your journey through the challenges, the trials, the triumphs, all of it has really um, been a refinement process for you to know yourself at a deep enough level to where you can listen. Like so much of the suffering that happens in our life is because we're not listening. Yeah. We're not listening to nature. We're not listening to ourselves. Yeah. We're listening to everything else. We're listening to our families, our friends, our, our Instagrams, our social medias. And if you're taking all that input in, it's going to become a very noisy place in yourself where you can't hear the truth of who you are. You can't hear your essence. Mm -hmm. And so to go back into nature in the ways that you've said and you're just by virtue of living and living life, you're going to have these opportunities where you're going to be faced off with these own inherent beliefs of your own inadequacy and it's going to be confronting for you. And when you have that awareness, that's the first step. You, you're listening to like, oh, I'm covering a part of myself right now. And that means I'm not accepting a part of myself. Yeah. And if you're not accepting a part of yourself, how can you expect other people to accept you fully? And so it's been a, yeah, it's been such a beautiful thing to hear you talk about your own journey of finding true self-acceptance and showing up vulnerably. And I had a, um, a guest, Peter Crohn, on the podcast a few years ago. I love Peter. Weeks ago. It's yeah. great. But he's, he speaks to vulnerability and how when you really show up vulnerably, you're no longer vulnerable. Because it's almost like an eight mile when Eminem... Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah. tell everybody tell these people something they don't know about me exactly ah. <laughs> yeah. I just expose myself you got nothing on me and I accept myself I'm me fully I'm here now and that is so radically beautiful because it's so rare yeah it's so rare and it's a breath of fresh air thank you yeah so thank you thank you Yay! for doing the work <laughs> thank you for sharing that story I can't yeah. even imagine how difficult and traumatizing that whole chapter was but I feel like the juiciest parts of our life kind of come from the lessons and the gifts of those challenging moments. Totally. And that's, you know, one of the challenges with with the listening, like you just shared, the intuition, as I call it. You know, we're just not taught to listen to that. Or when we do, that's the thing that gets you killed or punished or hurt or yelled at by your parents or, you know, put on timeout or whatever it is. And so the that is... I think just one of the greatest gifts and skills that and I'm actually in an even deeper practice with right now is like whatever the little whisper says right now, I follow it. I go with that. What does it say? Now it wants me to do, go left. 
do the yoga, get to the farmer's market right now, da, 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 da. like whatever it's telling me, let me just be quiet enough to listen to that and then take my step in the direction of whatever is, is the guidance that's present in any moment. That's beautiful. Yeah, it feels like that's a powerful distinction to live your life by instead of living life as a conversation about your life, you're living life in actions to the presence of what you feel in the moment and then just doing it. There's less back and forth. There's not a, necessarily a thought process with it. It can come up as words within yourself, but like listening to yourself in a deeper way and following that whisper yeah. leads you to some really magical places. Yeah. And it has for me for sure. Totally. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because like there can be a conversation in yourself, right? There can be a conversation of like the voice that for me, it's like the self-loathing or I like to call it the witch hunter, right? It's like the one who says there's something wrong with me or that I shouldn't be like this or that I'm bad or wrong or my sexuality or my expression or my wildness or my dancing or whatever is too much or it's bad or it's dangerous. And then there's the voice of truth, the voice of the intuition, the voice of the truth, the voice of what's real. And so we can either have a conversation between those two things or we can just have a conversation between our truth and the divine, the God, the goddess, the universe, the earth, right? Like what is the guidance? That's that's really why conical hats are associated with witches and wizards. It's because it's supposed to be an antenna. Mm -hmm. Supposed to be like enhancing and improving your auric field so that you're even more in touch with or even closer to that divine wisdom and guidance. And so that's really like, I haven't reached quite there yet, but but that is the the point, right? Is for the conversation not to be between you and your darkness or you and your shadow, which of course it's important to have conversations with your shadow. Like don't shut it out because that's when it gets troublesome, but to let the conversation just be between you and what starts as subtle whispers, but then can be a really clear, direct voice of guidance. Yeah, and for me, that's, getting quiet and just environmentally going to a place that is quiet yeah. allows that to happen because otherwise it's just you're in a fog of noise that you're it's like good luck dude you're here that's going to be a, a challenging time has there been outside of just like going in nature maybe that has been the number one for you stepping into that and like having taking the voltage and turning it up on the power of your intuition and like instead of it just being like a little bit of a whisper, it's more of like, okay, I'm talking to you in a normal voice. Or maybe it screams to you sometimes, like, this is the right thing. It Had, does. <laughs> so, yeah, has there been anything else that we haven't touched on that's really enhanced that for you? Oh, my God, it's so many things. I think that it also really depends on who you surround yourself by. If okay. you're, if you, of course, nature number one, like redwood trees, rivers, lakes, oceans, knowing the elements in myself, knowing that the elements speak to us. You know, sometimes when something big is going on, it starts to rain or you start your moon, you know, like cleansing, purification, shedding, cleaning out, like, right? Like everything has a message. So nature number one, yes. And when I receive reflections, when when everyone around me is also in that same effort or that same energy, that same walk, really, then you can also really trust the people that are around you because you know that their guidance is coming from their cultivation of connection to that same source, right? It's all the same source, no matter what we call it. But yeah, for me, it's it's also really about healing what's in the body because we're going to hold our pain and our trauma and our stories and our 
doubts in our physical vessel. And so I also, what really helps me listen to is like deep body work and dancing and, and healing for my vessel and working with medicine, which I don't do that often. I'm much more of a, uh, like, let me go deep in breath work. Let me, you know, meditate for hours and, and not use medicine as much. Medicine as in psychedelics, you know, plant medicine. Yeah, plant medicine, yeah. ayahuasca, 5-MeO-DMT, mushrooms, right, right. like ketamine therapy, all the things. There's like, so not definitely not plant medicine, that one, but you know, <laughs> yeah. like all of those things using a substance or an outside source, which I believe, you know, that there's a large spectrum on that because I think that, you know, plants that have been part of our consciousness for thousands of years or specific tribes in specific places and, and have been using those plants. That's a very different story yeah. than like snorting something up your nose. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I really, I really do feel like it's, it is that coven vibe, right? It is being in ritual or in practice or in ceremony with your community and connecting around a shared intention. I remember my dad asking me, when I first really dove in with this, this tribe that I'm in, he was like, what's the through line? Like what connects you all? And I just said, you know, we're just all on the path. Like the path is different. It's, it's, you know, hundreds of different trails up this mountain, but we're all climbing the same mountain and that's what brings us together. And so I, I think that having a community of people is really important, but then ultimately this is something I was thinking of earlier when you were talking about the listening too, is like, you have to know what's blocking you from listening. Mm -hmm. You have to know whose stories, is it your dad or your pastor or your art teacher in second grade who told you that you can't draw or whatever, whose story, whose projection, whose limitation is covering up that expression of your heart or that way that you like to draw or like to paint or what you want to wear. You know, some some women like never show their breasts. One of my old clients, she just wouldn't. She has these big, gorgeous, beautiful, like natural breasts and she would never show them because one time in ninth grade, like some guy said something horrible to her and you know, she's brilliant. She's like an oceanographer and so gorgeous and so powerful. But her story was like, it's dangerous for me to be seen with this beautiful body that the goddess crafted for her, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's really about looking at what the thing is that came at you that made you stop, hide, shrink, shy away, close, contract, not want to be yourself, and then facing that thing, talking to that thing, like me with the taking off of the sleeve, you know? show yourself, know yourself so that you can then show up for others, show up for the world as someone whose, whose knowledge, whose wisdom of themselves is a permission slip, is a, a role model for, for everyone else. And I think that that's really the biggest way to listen is like to find the, the parts of you that are trying to convince you not to. It's beautiful. I feel that if you want to go higher on your spiritual path, so to speak, you need to go deeper and go into these shadows and these aspects of yourself and shine light on the unconscious parts that you previously didn't have awareness of. And I feel like real transformation and true growth comes in life, not from learning, but from unlearning. Yeah. It's getting, it's it's removing what's in the way from what already is and you have, you're already tapped into. Yeah. Because I know for me earlier on in my journey, like, 
yeah, I, I know who I am and what I want to create in the world. And it maybe became a little bit more, uh, come across more as like a vigilance and studied so much, have a big library, want to learn a lot of things. And the more that I've, you know, grown on my journey, I started reading a lot less, more consuming a lot more. I still enjoy it, but I found that coming into stillness and having that as a practice has got me tapped into the source where all the answers and all the wisdom lies and then you're in touch with it. And so anything that you look at or anything you want to involve yourself with, you become much more powerful and capable individual. Yeah. Yeah. I think of you in that moment in that place that I sent you at Esalen, you know, when you took those pictures, like just like, yeah. In, in those places where silence and, and where from my perspective, God, goddess, the source, right. Like is alive in deep forests, in riverbeds where the thing that is the universal creative organizational force is is just getting to be itself is just getting to live in its essence and its expression and i I think that that's like one of the most transformative ways like coming into silence in those places oh my goddess there's nothing there's you can't learn anything in a book that you can learn from like really letting yourself yeah sink in and and regulating your nervous system and training your nervous system with that of nature. Like, mm, yeah. You're like, books? Who needs books? <laughs> <laughs> it's so wild. I mean, that trip up to, in Big Sur, California, mm-hmm. there's an amazing place called Esalen Retreat Center. And yeah, there, you're like, you gave me this little hint to go into this. There's like this little <laughs> nook where it opens into this like, most majestic forest I've mm-hmm. literally ever been in. And there's this running creek and river and, and, and waterbed and all of these super tall trees. And mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to go in there and I was the only one. And I was just like all day just basking in it. Yeah. And it was a really, really powerful practice. And I spent a week there just like diving in and you know, I feel like, especially if you have the opportunity once, whether it's once a year, twice a year to take that time for yourself, it's yeah. so important to be alone. And if you can be alone in nature, it like amplifies your aloneness, um, in a, in a deeper way. Yeah. And the yeah. word alone actually comes from all one We're meant to remember, right? Like when we are alone and we can be alone without the stories or without the like, Oh, I'm lonely. Or I need someone, you know, when we can be alone without that it's in order to remember that Mm. we are actually all one we're one with everything around us i love that yeah where did you find this like desire to go into the different etymology of words and and look into the deeper meaning of things because it's it's so fascinating and so beautiful (laughs) and every time you kind of bring a word that maybe has all the societal conditioning of what it means into like the root of actually what it was supposed to mean it makes way more sense and it you know clicks so yeah how did that come into your life man it just happened i i I got this nickname Priestess Mafia when I was living in Kauai because I just the what Priestess <laughs> like trying Mafia. not to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Because the way that I am, as you know, is opinionated and is truthful. And I was like the new girl when I moved there. And I was actually still speaking in a British accent at that time. I just totally pretended to be British. And there was all these little things that you can do because when you use an accent, you don't have any of your own programs because you didn't grow up like this. So you don't have your trauma. You don't have any of your things wrong with you. And so I decided to move to this new place and speak with an accent. It was really fun. And everyone thought I was British. And then one day I was getting headaches and I stopped doing it. But (laughs) Oh my God. You never broke. You never broke character. No, two months. Wow. Yeah. Started, get, started getting migraines. It was a lot. Anyways. so <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. So that was fun and amazing. But when I went down there, because I was the new girl, everyone was kind of like talking to me about their little secrets. And I 
told them all what everyone had been saying. I was like, you this, you this, you this. One of them was like, damn, you're like priestess mafia. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm into that. So I decided to look up what the word meant because I was like, I'm not going to take on some weird mob boss word for myself, you know, if it's, uh, if it means something horrible. And the first recorded use of the word mafia was in witch trials in Sicily in 1668. And it meant the bold or ambitious women who had been through the rites of initiation. And when you t- really break down the words, in Italian, ma, mama, like in almost every language, is mother. And figlia in Italian means daughter. Wow. And so the ma figlia was like the daughters of the great mother or the daughters of the goddess. And again, it meant someone who'd been through these rites of initiation, who'd like been inducted into their coven who had been made into a witch. And so that moment I was like, whoa, hold on a second. What is happening? How does this word that now means men who, you know, steal and do underground things and whatever, you know, how did that come from bold, ambitious women? And that really just sent me on a journey around what is going on with our language? How are how are our words being used against us? The same as a lunatic, right? Luna is the moon. So it was like, because we used to not have any artificial light, we used to be in alignment with the moon. When the, the full moon was out, that's the only time, you know, when there's no artificial light, that's the only time you can go outside at night and see, right? Otherwise, everything's going to be pitch black no matter where you are because there's no light from any other source. Mm -hmm. And so then it just, you know, when you look at like to be hysterical, hystera comes from Greek and it means the womb. So wait a second. The womb makes me hysterical. This is like being a woman to have this creative portal to God mean like hysterical is like this bad, oh, she's hysterical, you know? Like I just, I couldn't stop once I started. I just Mm. became hungry for it. And it made me really, even words like confidence, where people have always said that I'm so confident, you know, even when I just did not feel that way myself, certainly did not experience myself as confident. But the word just means trust. Mm. So it's like, okay, yeah, like you think that I'm strong and outspoken and like, no, 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 cool, great. Even if inside I'm feeling, you know, low or self-loathing or sad or not enough, but I still trust my truth. I trust what I'm here to say. I trust what I'm here to do, even if I don't feel great in a moment. And I trust the God, goddess, universe, divine to work through me, to lay out the path before me. And so in that case, like, yeah, sure, I'm confident, right? And so there are just so many ways that I think that our language, yeah, has been turned against us and and made the same way as which has come to mean something evil or bad. And so it just became a deep passion of mine and something that I have been very, like, I don't use the word decide. That means to kill, see day, right? Homicide, genocide, that Mm. that suffix is like to kill off. So to decide is to kill one choice in order to like have the other. So I choose, right? I don't decide anything. I'm not trying to kill off my choices. I'm just choosing. Mm. And so it has made me be more confident, more trusting of the way I express myself and has also allowed me, you know, when you do write spells or poems or when you're speaking or when you're expressing, you have more awareness yeah. of of what you're actually really saying. And that has been really important for me as, as someone who, yeah, shares words and voice 
with people and, and whose expression is definitely like a little, <laughs> a little unusual, but it, <laughs> it helps me know that I'm, I'm literally just reclaiming my own version of wisdom and inviting others to do the same. Mm, so beautiful. Sign me up. <laughs> I want to, I want to dive deeper into that too. <laughs> it's good. Even so a lot of those words, I don't know, like the deeper meaning between yeah. behind them. And it's very, it's very empowering, yeah. you know, cause you, you get the choice again to, redefine what how you describe your reality language is such a big way of how we communicate with that with others and with self and to have deeper clarity to where having language in a deeper and understanding it in a deeper way makes you more skilled navigator of this wild journey and sea of life so yeah. word originally meant destiny w-y-r-d is where we get word and weird and mm. they both meant destiny. Because mm. if you were the weird one, you were like not going along with the herd or the flock, you yeah. were going and doing whatever you were destined to do. And you're speaking your destiny with your words every day. That's why we call it spelling. Truth. Yeah. So truth. <laughs> I love weirdos. Me too. I'm like the weirder the you're better. The, yeah. yeah. Like you're so weird and you're so awesome. And so many people in our community are like, maybe people would claim as weird, but. Oh, we're the weirdest. We're the weirdest. Yeah. But also like. <laughs> Not just like weird hippies that aren't doing shit with their life. Like so many people building beautiful projects and building yeah. amazing things in the 3D as well. And having that balance is something that I really love to cherish in a relationship because yeah. oftentimes it's one or the other. I'm going to go renunciate, live in a cave and just pursue the spiritual path, which is beautiful for chapters of life. Or people that are just immersed in the Maya of the 3D. And it's like, can we... Can we integrate them people? Can we yeah. can we come together and can we create systems that make the old outdated systems obsolete? That's the journey that we're on. And I love the analogy you gave earlier of all of us kind of walking up this mountain in our own unique different paths, going to the same place, which I'd love to actually ask you, what do you feel like is at the top of the mountain? What is this place that we're all walking to? And describe if you can the energy if, you know, we've all tapped into moments of it, but yeah to come into a place where we can be the living embodiment of that, what does that look like to you? You know, I have this Hoopa elder. Hoopa is one of the tribes where I grew up. His name is Inker. He's so amazing. And I asked him one day about, you know, because people have all these stories about Native American tribes and they, you know, they say they were all warring and fighting all the time and scalping each other and doing all this stuff. And I asked him one time, you know, is that true? Is that true of, of these people, you know, were, were it, all the men warriors, was everyone just fighting? And he goes, we did not have war and killing before the white man came. We are a forgiving people. And look at this place where we live. And he's in his valley, it like makes me emotional. He's so amazing in his valley with this beautiful green river running through and all these gorgeous plants and trees all around. And he goes, what do we have to fight for? We can share everything we have. Hmm. And I believe that that is possible. It's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of dismantling and it's going to take a lot of unlearning, a shitload, quite honestly. But I do believe that this earth has enough to sustain us all. I believe that we have the power and the wisdom to be able to co-create and collaborate and share together. And that if and when, you know, some of us on that, on that 
trail up the mountain. Some of us are like macheting our way through like blackberry brambles, you know, and on somebody else's path, they're going to, right when they're thirsty, they're going to hit a glacial melt waterfall coming down that's going to, you know, bless them with clear water to drink. And somebody else is going to find a bush full of berries and somebody else is going to find, you know, a cow to milk or whatever it is. Like everyone's journey, everyone's path up that mountain is going to look different. But I believe that if we all start striving to climb the mountain, to find our connection to the divine, to heal our wounds, to unlearn the programs that have been keeping us from feeling safe to be ourselves or safe to be in connection and intimacy with other people. I mean, you ask about the energy, the energy of it to me feels so exciting. Just like, beautiful, like so much joy and ecstasy to be able to, to create, to synergize together, to let one and one equal three. And it feels like peace and it feels like harmony. And, you know, not to sound like a miscongeniality contestant, like contestant, (laughs) I just want world peace. You know, (laughs) I, it's not that I want world peace. I mean, I do, but it's that I believe that we are capable of more. As a species, I believe that we can have our sixth sense. We call them supernatural abilities because I believe that they are, in fact, natural for us to have higher learning capacity, higher vision, higher wisdom, a greater ability in so many different ways to be more connected to the earth, be more connected to each other, be more connected to our magic, whether that's our manifestation skills or our magnetism, you know, again, it's going to look different for everyone. But I feel like there is the kind of world, you know, like Charles Eisenstein, a, a more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. I do in fact believe that that's possible. Mm. A place that feels like we can be safe to be ourselves, like we care for, you know, people with mental and physical and spiritual health challenges, where if you, you know, have an issue, the community helps care for you and and you help care for it in return. Like when I think about someone like me, back in the day, you know, people have different. Some people are like, you should be charging more for this. And some people are like, you should be charging nothing for this. You know, people have different opinions, but a a wise man or woman, a medicine man or woman in the tribe would have been completely taken care of. They would never have wanted for anything because the tribe would have been so grateful and expressing their gratitude to that person for knowing the herbs, for divining the language of the universe when the birds came or when the the clouds came, is the rain coming? You know, all of that was valuable. All of that wisdom is valuable. And so it's so funny. My partner started a festival called Ancient Future like many, many years ago. But I believe that that is actually the most important thing right now is, is gathering the deep wisdom from our ancient times connected with the earth and utilizing the tools that we have from the future and bringing them together and finding harmony. Because this malevolent tech and the AI and the robots taking over, like that's not a direction that I personally want to go into, you know? And I see, you know, the kinds of people, even my life, my business, right? I would have to go and live in a cave and be one of those monks if I didn't have social media, because that is how my business runs. So I'm so grateful for it, but I, I desire to find balance and harmony between myself, between the wisdom of the ancients and the wisdom and technology of the future. 
and between all people and to create some kind of global harmony that is, yeah, something that I don't know if we've ever seen before, right? Like our history books tell us that it's never happened, that it's never existed. It's only people that like talk about Lemuria or Atlantis that say that that we've ever had harmony or peace on earth or higher consciousness, but that's what it looks like to me. It doesn't mean everybody has to be tapped into their, you know, psychic abilities. It just means that we are healed from the wounds that keep us separate from ourselves, each other, the planet and the universe. Mic drop. So, so good. I resonate so deeply. And that's, I think, I've always been super drawn to you because again, and a lot of people in our community share this common fire for self-realization and we can taste what's possible. We can feel this more beautiful world that is on the horizon because we have access to something that we've never had access to, which is what? Everything. Yeah. All at once, <laughs> all the time. We have social media, we have the internet, which is an incredible blessing, but it will be our curse if we don't have the capacity to use it as a transformational tool. And it's just another means to an end for consumerism and industries for profit. And so I love that. I share that vision with you. I'm here. We're doing it together. Any, yeah. any way I can support you, I'm, I'm fully here for it. I always feel that. I mm -hmm. know you were talking about something and I was like, oh, I'm about to give him one of those amazing affirmations. And I was like, okay, not the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love you so much, King. I see you so clearly. You're such a gift and I'm so mm -hmm. glad you're doing this. I'm Thank so excited you. for you. And y'all are all so lucky <laughs> that you get to have this amazing man because this you really are such an example. I mean, you're 25 years old and you're doing this like this and you're this devoted. Mm -hmm. And you are committed to understanding and having women on and knowing that divine feminine in yourself. And this is, I believe that's also a huge way that the world changes is by men understanding and knowing that they get to feel, period, full stop, actually. They get to feel. They get to feel. <laughs> you are, you're safe yeah. to feel. And that you have femininity in you as well that deserves to be expressed and cultivated and connected to and moved through. And, and mm. I just see that in you so clearly. And it's mm. such a gift. And you're, oh. you're such a man of the future in that way. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Received. Yeah. Stored <laughs> in my heart, in my little heart pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you. Yeah. I think we can take another, another turn here. The movies like Harry Potter, like Limitless, like Lucy, they speak to these aspects of ourselves that we were kind of talking to earlier, where we feel this dormant, hidden, potential that is limitless within us yep. yeah and so like these movies really speak to this part of us that like can feel like there's something in me that like really resonates with this because i know somehow deep down i have some sort of this magic as well even though if they don't know how to manifest or anything if it doesn't look like shooting sparkles out of a wand but you know it could maybe who knows <laughs> but i haven't gotten that to work yet <laughs> but really speak to the limitless potential within human beings and I think that a lot of these conversations are helping people realize and wake up to that, but also what you're doing with your brand. And yeah, I just, I feel like there are a lot of these symbols and, and, and shows and movies that really speak to this and people feel it on an unconscious level, yeah. but they don't know where to go. So I think it's really beautiful that you're creating containers also where people can come and stay in a castle and create like <laughs> modern day mystery schools. Yeah. And it's really epic what you're creating. So yeah, if you'd like to speak a little bit to what I touched on and then also like what you're creating, because I think it's super dope. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 So I did create Hogwarts. I'm creating Hogwarts. I'm castle shopping at the moment, but I, yeah, it was- <laughs> Casual. Yeah. Casual castle shopping. Yeah. That I, they're actually like, really inexpensive in Europe. But anyways, um, yeah. That's I, relative also. Yeah, thank you. Yes, <laughs> it is. Um, but compared to a house in LA, it's like yes. the same. Yeah. So anyways, I 
I think that we all just know. I, I really believe that the stories that we have in history, like what I asked Inker about, those stories are just what someone decided the book is supposed to say. Someone, somewhere, it's like the same as the Bible, right? That's why there's a King James version because that's when King James was the ruler and he was like, I want the Bible to say this. So, you know, I don't know if that's his voice. Huh? But like, <laughs> that's what it, I said. Like, all these like haughty kings, like, oh no, make it say this now, you know? Like, <laughs> and so when even I was having a conversation about the Library of Alexandria last night, like all these records, thousands and thousands of years and different cultures of records, and you burn that, then if you're the person who's, you know, either in charge of that or in some way is like recuperating everything afterwards, you can say, oh, well, this is a recreation of this ancient scroll, you know, from 5,000 BC. And it says this, but like you just rewrote that right now. <laughs> and that's what I really feel like history is about. That's why I asked Inker that question because I don't believe that about, maybe in places like Arizona, New Mexico, where there's not enough water and there's not enough food, like, yeah, sure, maybe people were fighting. But, like, if you don't need to fight, why are you going to do it? And so I really think that the the Harry Potter, the Limitless, I haven't seen Lucy in a while. i got to rewatch that. Um, I believe that we all know that the wizarding world is, in fact, just, you know, a doorway away, an open curtain, uh, a lifted veil away. It's right here. It's right under our noses. It's right in front of our eyes. And so that for me has been just like the greatest gift. And, and it is again, going back to just the unlearning. What's the story that's telling you that it's not? Whose voice says, oh, you're stupid for believing that. Or like, there's no such thing as unicorns, you know, like whose voice is that? Again, you get to believe whatever you want, whatever you want. But that limitlessness implies and requires eliminating the limit on your thoughts, on your consciousness, on your story, on your own capacity, on your own strength. And so for me, it just, it was a huge, I was just talking with Adam Roa the other day about um, the inner child love without the inner child wound. And so that's what my life is an expression of. This is my inner child love, fantasy, fairy tales, bringing people to castles, to live in Hogwarts, you know, have an immersive experience at, at these retreats, literally feel the, the full embodiment of your most magical life and what it would be like to live in a magical world. But I wasn't able to claim this or create this or do this until I dealt with enough of, that doesn't mean that they're all gone again, they're not, but I dealt with enough of the wounds that kept me from feeling safe to do this, that kept me from feeling, I mean, you know, like the terror, the worry of, of like being abandoned, being rejected, being killed, right? I had to deal with all of those wounds, both from my personal inner child stories and from like these old genetic codes that live in all of us, that live in men and women of all, every indigenous culture throughout history, mostly pretty much. There's a couple like still around, you know, like the Dogon tribe, but almost everybody else has been colonized. I went to the Masai Mara in Kenya. You ask them about their gods and they tell you about Jesus. Mm. Like bless that. I love Jesus. He's totally like such a guide for me, but in Kenya, like, no, there was something before that. I and mean, that's what I want to know about. Mm. And so uncovering the things that are on top of 
you know, it's like an excavation. It's like Graham Hancock vibes, like yeah. digging under. When I was in Egypt, they had just discovered this temple. It's like 15,000 years old. And it was just right under the sand, you know? They just like did some digging and it's right under there. And we have the opportunity to do that. Dig down underneath because your limitless potential is in there. The wizarding world is here. It exists all around you right before your eyes. You just have to like, you know, cleanse the lens, clear out whatever is, I'm like, you know, like envisioning the little like squeaky windshield on the on the glasses. Like you just have to clear out what's in the way of seeing that. And so that is exactly what the gift for me is, is like, what does your inner child want to believe? What were the fairy tales or the fantasy that, that made you feel alive? Was it the dragons? Was it the Lord of the Rings? Was it like the tree people or the fairies or, you know, more on the science fiction vibe? You can make that your reality now. You just have to figure out what the things are that have been suppressing those beliefs and and making you feel safe in that and and then yeah like for me I that was a huge piece about bringing people to this castle and now wanting to get a castle of my own is because I went to this place that physically and it wasn't about the castle that was one of the most magical things it's like we didn't even spend that much time in the castle we were just outside in nature but the castle was this physical representation of a manifestation or of a vision or of a desire a wish to to come true and it was like, okay, castles are where fairies or queens or princesses live. And a castle in Scotland is where, you know, Hogwarts literally is. They like take the train up and we saw where the train goes. It was so amazing. And when you take someone into a place that there is this just slight shift from everyday reality, which is like living in a castle, then what opens up, because that's a, you know, it doesn't take believing to see. You just see it, you believe it. Like, right. oh, cool, this is great, right? With most of magic and, and manifestation, we actually have to believe in order to see mm -hmm. first. And so I found when I brought everyone there, it was just so amazing. I mean, it was amazing for me too, but you really started to feel like you're at Hogwarts because you have this one physical, grounded, foundational thing that sort of is the anchor and holds the energy of seeing some new possibility. And so, yeah, my programs are so amazing and I love them so much. And it's so great to see people go through witch school and, and heal their wounds and, and step into their magic. And yeah, having a group of 30 people in person literally create a Hogwarts experience was one of the most magical things I've ever done, I've ever participated in, I've ever experienced myself. And it was quite literally a dream come true. Mm -hmm. And so it just feels like that's also part of climbing the mountain and us, you know, coming into this new vibrational state or reaching that peak life place is immersing ourselves in what's possible, in what we desire, in making our lives and our days and our schedules how we want them to be, right? Like if you don't have money to invest it doesn't actually really matter because your most important investment is your time and your attention. And so if you can invest your time and intention into, or attention, both attention and intention, into the things that you desire, into what you want to create, into the more magical world you desire to live in, the more magical life you desire to have or embody, that's what then changes it. And so it's such a gift to be yeah, just sharing the healing tools, you know, like we didn't necessarily do like spells and stuff. 
there was one person who really was mad about that. She was like, why aren't we doing spells? I came here to learn from me and magic. Totally get that. <laughs> but what I shared with them was like, these are the things that are required in order to be able to live a magical life. This is what you have to heal. This is what you, or what what I have experienced as the greatest tools in, in living a magical life. And what's so beautiful about Harry Potter is that every subject at Hogwarts is a real magical lineage. It's all real. It's all true study that you can embark upon or you can engage with. And so that's really one of the biggest pieces about, you know, whether it's Limitless or Lucy or Harry Potter that turns that limitlessness on inside of you, that turns that idea on inside of you, that inspires you and makes you feel excited. It's just following that thread. How can I create more of this in my life now? What does that look like? And then miracles will unfold. And yeah, if you want to come like hang out at a castle in Scotland with me, then you're obviously totally welcome. Because <laughs> uh, that certainly helps me. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. So good. I love that. I mean, social media and the content creation that we're doing in the podcast serve its purpose for sure. And there's something that can't be replicated online as you can in an in-person yeah. setting and immersion. Yeah. That's where I found most of my true transformation is the in-person immersions. Yeah. Whether it's been meditation retreats, um, silent retreats, uh, various different programs that I've taken in person, that's where it's really sunk in, into my being as like a vibration. And that's that's how, like your vibration, how you carry out every day. That's going to be your experience of life. So it's it's really crucial that you take that time out to do it, whether it's in a castle in Scotland or yeah. somewhere more locally. There's many, many different avenues and programs and totally. things that you can do. And that sounds like quite an awesome one. So I might show up with a with a wig on. <laughs> I know, right? No, we're gonna there. be they're gonna be co-ed soon. They're gonna be co-ed <laughs> very soon. Yeah, that's just a big part of of what I want to be creating more of because it was so magical. But also, you know, like it's not about the castle. Like I said, sure. it was like we were outside doing these wild rituals, like doing sex magic. This whole circle of thirty women, like pleasuring themselves all together underneath the forest in this magical fairy gland. I was like, fuck yes, hallelujah, <laughs> like praise the goddess, you know, <laughs> and um and it's really. It's really more about that, right? It's not about the physical place where you are. It's about being willing to meet your edges, move past your comfort zone, do things that you perhaps never would have done before. And that's, you know, that's that immediate shift. That's that quantum sort of karmic rewriting yeah. is when you go and do something that you would never have done before and you say yes to something that you could have never thought possible, then instantly, boop, you just like pop into a different vibrational embodiment and alignment. And so, you know, I'm really excited to be doing more retreats all over the place because I, I think that especially now, you know, we're, we're really hungry for that in person again and for, for those connections and, and meeting other like-minded people, you know, we're so blessed to live in this bubble and, and not everybody has that. So, yeah. um, yeah, the, the in-person is where it's at for sure. I, I've just been so grateful to be doing more of that. It's such a gift. Mm. Amazing. Before we continue, I don't know if we can just gloss over what you briefly just mentioned, which is the sex magic pleasure circles uh -huh. that I just like said, just like <laughs> how do we gloss over that? How do we uh -huh. just gloss over that? <laughs> do you want to touch on that briefly as to why you do that, what that is, like how that activates the women? And yeah, people? I think that for me, I'm for all of us, I'm sure, but like you're a man, so I don't know how it is for you, but like I don't watch porn, just it's not like really enticing for me. And so the only place where I'd ever really heard another woman's pleasure was 
you know, behind a closed door, either like she's a roommate or a friend and she's doing her thing with whoever she's doing it with and you hear it, but like, you're not supposed to hear it. And you're like, am I supposed to leave my room? Or like, do I need to leave the house? And there's this kind of this almost like guilt or, or shame just for hearing someone else in pleasure. And you know, like you're not supposed to. And so that was a big wound that I had. I'd like never heard another woman's pleasure before I started doing these rituals. And, and so Layla Martin, our friend and sister who, you know, uh, deep, deep tantrika, high priestess of the tantric arts. She, you know, became one of my best friends. And so I got initiated into a whole new world that I could have never imagined myself. And the first time that we did one of these rituals, I just realized that I like, I've never heard another woman's pleasure where it's actually, this is okay. Mm. It's acceptable for me. We're like all pleasuring ourselves together in a circle. It's okay for me to hear this. I'm safe. She's safe. I celebrate her. She celebrates me. This is all good. And when we really think about orgasmic energy, it's like the most powerful energy in the universe. I think, I mean, the big bang, right? Like that sounds like the universe is coming to me, you know, (laughs) right? Like maybe it's a big birth, right? There's orgasmic birth. I mean, I just think that orgasmic energy is like, that's a peak human state, right? That's like the highest frequency of pleasure and joy and beauty and magic and connection to the divine that you can access in just normal waking consciousness. And so utilizing orgasmic energy for manifestation is incredibly powerful. That's what sort of the basis of sex magic is. And, and I have found that yes, like doing it with my partner is so amazing and so powerful and so wonderful, but because of that sort of little texture of never feeling safe Mm. ever in like just your full wild sexual expression on your own. It's like, oh, you're allowed to be safe if you're with your partner or like some of my friends have these deep programs around like, oh, I'm only allowed to be naked if I'm about to have sex because like I'm, you know, that that person's going to see me and it's only them who's allowed to see me like, you know, religious, patriarchal, like there's so much different programming. But so even that, like I'm allowed to be naked and I'm allowed to express my voice, my body, my movement for myself. It's not for anyone else. And none of these sisters is here to look at me. Everyone's covered with their own blanket on their own cushion, their own space. No one's like, you know, staring at you. It's literally about you. It's about what your relationship is to your sexuality. And, and for me, I had never experienced that before. I'd never even thought even in, you know, like when you're masturbating, right, there's still sort of this like goal to reach. And when you create a ceremony or a ritual around just being safe to feel and experience whatever is alive in your body or in your sexuality, there is just profound healing that occurs. And and what I have found is that on the other side of that healing, like sort of the through line of this conversation, right? On the other side of that healing, there is this incredible manifestation power. And so we did not specifically do the ritual for manifesting anything. I mean, kind of, but it wasn't like I led everyone to like, you know, see the car that you want, right? Like, it's not about that. It's about what do you, as you move through energetically, what are you moving out of your your body in order to make space for what you want to call into your life? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And you guys dive deeper into manifesting, right? That's one avenue and one, one vehicle of expression. Yeah. What is, uh, I love the word abracadabra, speaking things into existence. Yeah. It's been, as you like, 
grow on your spiritual journey, you realize how much life is like a game and your intention and what you claim and how you can use your imagination is the tool in which you can use visualization to manifest things from the immaterial to the material. And it becomes so fun when you realize that because what do you want? You can have it. And you have to just remove what's in the way, like we've been speaking to, of what's not allowing you to be a vibrational match to what you want to have come into your life. And then it becomes this game where you can choose what you want and design your life. Yeah, Live your life by design and Mm -hmm. not somebody else's. So has there been, uh, for you personally on your individual path, has there been one overarching uh, tool for manifestation that you've been to bring things into the 3D? You know, the the thing for me is about the listening because I will go places and do things that I, it just doesn't really make any sense for me to do. And I just do them because I was guided to do them. All of my rituals, every ritual that I lead for people, even my whole week at Hogwarts retreat, I had a whole different schedule planned. And that land was like, no, I want you to do this this day. And I want you to do this. And I want you to do this. Come over here, do that. I was like, okay, you know, you're, this is a bigger, greater intelligence than me. Like I'm going to surrender to that. And so that's, that's really my biggest thing is, is like listening to the guidance. And again, like we've been saying, you got to uncover and excavate what's on top of your capacity to, to listen to the guidance. But then I also really like, um, like a little tool that y'all can take home with you, you know, that's not deep spiritual excavation and, and healing work, um, is, is drawing. And I'm not a good artist. I'm like, <laughs> there's all these gorgeous paintings around this house that Andre has. I am not a good artist by any means. So don't let that stop you. It literally looks like a kindergartner drew most of the stuff that I'm drawing, but drawing pictures of what I desire is really powerful for me. And then I was actually <laughs> had a conversation with Dr. Joe the other day and I told him, I was like, oh, I did this whole thing with your with your mind movie thing. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe Dispenza, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic Dr. Joe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Um, well, it's, he's not my friend, he's my partner's friend. My partner's really cool and so like they're friends. Um, so anyways, he came over and I was talking to him and the mind movie that was part of his retreat that was really great for me and I described this more on one of my YouTube videos about manifestation, but I made a whole vision board, like Pinterest board. And then I would make slides. And so all of these slides would be full of these images. So every slide would be like a collage of my vision board. And it would be like, this is all the things that I've, that I want for my house. This is all the things that I want for my work. This is the things that I want for, you know, my body or whatever. And I would make these little vision boards and each of them into one slide. You can use Canva. It's like simple, uh, you know, software. And then I just made that into a little movie and I would meditate and I would watch it. Mm. And you watch this little slide of all your visions and your vision board. And man, almost everything except for the wrought iron dragon spiral staircase, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but almost everything on those slides and on that vision board I have in my life now. And so that's a really great tool that I love is Dr. Joe calls it a mind movie. And apparently they don't do that at the retreat anymore because it's more about the supernatural abilities, which I'm very excited to go back and experience again. But that really worked for me was like not just a single image that represents a thing, but creating a vision board as a collage and then watching that after your meditations and really just 
programming into your mind, this is what I'm calling in. And I also made a, a spell. So just like a couplet, a two line, you know, one line, second line rhymes with the first line. And I made a little couplet of a spell for each of those things. So I would read this affirmation that I'd made up about this thing coming into my life as each slide passed through. And that was like, that shit works. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. It's powerful. We're, yeah. we're constantly manifesting. Whatever we constantly think of, that becomes the inclination of the mind. So yeah. if you can take the conscious power that you have to get very intentional with what you want, it sounds so simple, but yeah. it is so simple. It like to bring in what you want in this life, of course, depending upon the desire, it might fluctuate the amount of time that it takes to come in. But yeah. I've also, I have lots of friends that have said, I want to get a million dollar coaching deal. And it happens within a week or a day. And I've had like many, many stories like that, that have just been like, just blown my mind to what's possible. If you get yourself out of the way between you and what you want. Yeah. And there's so many amazing tools, like you said, drawing, that sounds fantastic, writing down, reading what you wrote, mm -hmm. and, and having that be come in your mind. It's like a seed that slowly starts to grow and you water it over time. And yeah. then things just come into your life that match that energetically. And it's it's so fun. So Yeah, it is indeed. It's yeah. just like magic. All right. We're getting close to wrapping this, this sucker up. I, I mean, I could go all day. I'm, really, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this fully. Yeah. Um, if you had to tune in, and ask, answer the question, what does it mean to know thyself? Ultimately, it's it feels like remembering. It's remembering who you are before you allowed yourself to change based on someone else's opinions or ideas or societal projections. And to remember, right, these are our members. They're actually, it's about putting ourselves back together again. And so that's what, to me, it means to know thyself is to know that you are infinitely powerful, to know that you are a reflection of the earth, to know that you are made of the stars and that that same power, that same awe that we have when we look up at the sky and these brilliant lights are shining back at us, you deserve that same awe. You deserve that same reverence. And when you can remember that about yourself and, and know that every beautiful thing you've ever seen or experienced is a reflection of you. And you can then feel and embody that wonder within yourself, the wonder of your existence, the miracle of this life. And, and even when you forget, and even when you stumble, you make it a part of your dance. And even when you fall down, you get yourself back up and you just try again the next moment, the next day, whatever it is, that path is the path of knowing thyself. Beautiful. <laughs> and if you had to make a proclamation right now for your vision for the planet, mm -hmm. it's a big question, but you're really good at just tapping in and letting whatever flows flow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we could do that that one to wrap up as well. So like if you tune into your vision for the planet, what you feel like in this lifetime is possible for us to create as a humanity and us as individuals, the floor is yours. Mm. <laughs> I truly believe that we can grow food for each other and together and that our waters can be clean and that we can live in harmony with ourselves and one another and the knowing that there is a voice of the earth. There is a voice of the divine that is always in communication with us, always trying to speak to us and through us. And 
that we can, we actually are strong enough. We are capable of healing these wounds, of doing this spiritual excavation of whatever has covered up our supernatural gifts and abilities, our own unique magic. And I believe that we can live in a world where it is safe to be ourselves. And the most important thing we have to do is feel safe within ourselves to be ourselves. And once we do that, once we give ourselves permission to be this limitless expression of our magic, then we give others permission. And ultimately, I do truly believe in my heart and soul that it is possible to live on a planet where everyone is actually safe to be themselves and in their magic, the more we do that for ourselves and therefore ripple that energy out into the world. And I just pray so deeply that every single person remembers that, remembers to seek the knowing of themselves and their wisdom and their magic and becomes an even greater gift to this planet the way that I believe we were divinely designed and destined to be. So good. I love I love this. I love this podcast <laughs> because I get to sit down with amazing people, sometimes my close friends, and drop in into this beautiful space and have amazing reflections. Like it's so fulfilling for me. So thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Of course. I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm here you, for you, whatever I know, you need. I love you. And uh, yeah, where can people find you? Do you have any offerings? People I'm sure are going to be like, I want more Mia. So. Yes. Yes. All the things. So M-I-A-M-A-G-I-K. Mia Magic is me on Instagram, YouTube, and my website. There's only one account. It's just me. That one. It's the only one. And I have a six-month mastermind that is called Sorceress that's coming up. I run retreats at castles. And so you, if you really are just like looking for your most magical life or coming to Hogwarts, you know, just step on into my cauldron. Everybody's <laughs> welcome. <laughs> and so, yeah, all the, all the things. And one of the things I want to offer to your audience, I have this beautiful little meditation that does help you with the listening. I call it the intuition meditation. It's really about connecting with your soul's truth and using this really powerful channeled writing practice. So we can put that down below for people, yeah. just like a free meditation. Um, that's really helpful for me, really helps me tap into that guidance and hear what the next best step is. And so, yeah, again, Mia Magic is where all of the things are. You can find me and I will just be so honored to welcome you to your most magical life. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share? Feel, feel complete? I love you. You're amazing. Uh, this is great. You thank Bless. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. For everybody that's been tuning in, thank you so much for being in the listening. Thank you for being open to these conversations. Thank you for being curious. Thank you for being a seeker. It's a relationship that we get to develop myself and all the beautiful people that are on the other side of this camera and this mic that I can't see right now, but I can feel, I can feel deeply. And so thank you so much. Share if this was impactful for you. We love seeing the clips that we post on social media and Instagram and on YouTube. Tag us. I'd love to see the faces of the people that are receiving on the other end of this. And we'll go from there. So until next time, be well. Be well.